Canard fans, and welcome to Season 2 of CanardCast, a podcast for Rattan-designed and Rattan-inspired aircraft. Season 2 is produced by David Williford, with technical support by Izzy Briggs. CanardCast is a production of the Canard Owners and Builders Association, and information on how to join will be provided at the end of this CanardCast. On the third Saturday of each month, the Mojave Spaceport Museum hosts the Plane Crazy Fly-In, where we bumped into Rutan Defiant owner, Mr. Mark Schenick. In his early 60s, Mark retired from a career in financial management and now provides pediatric medical support as a registered respiratory therapist with a neonatal pediatric specialty. Mark is helping to stop sudden infant death syndrome, SIDS, through his involvement in the system's development of a benign infant stimulator, a novel device to help all infants achieve normal development during their first year. For over 40 years, Mark has also spent a lot of time around the folks of RAF and scaled as part of a variety of inspired projects, including an airframe construction of a Long Easy and a Q200 he built at the West Wings Hangar, now gone west in Santa Monica. He participated in the WF-1 Global Hilton Round the World Balloon Flight a rocket long easy project with X-Core and glass overcast. Mark and his young daughter, Kara, met Izzy, and Mark agreed to show Izzy his Defiant, November 88, Victor Mike, and to provide an interview for Canardcast in Rosemont, about 12 miles south of Mojave. Welcome, folks, back to another episode of Canardcast in Season 2. Today's guest is Mark Shinnick, and Mark and I recently met at the uh, Mojave Madness Air Fly-In. It happens every Saturday, or every third Saturday of every month, and uh, Mark came over and was asking questions about uh, Damon Meyer's Cozy, which I'd flown into the show, um, and uh, come to find out that uh, Mark owns a Defiant. So uh, I found that pretty exciting, considering... Uh, I just purchased a Defiant as well. So uh, let me introduce uh, Mark Shinnick. Mark, welcome to the program. Thank you, Izzy. It, it was a really magical moment to see how your eyes doubled in size immediately uh, <laughs> once, once Defiant was mentioned. Uh, what, um, what was the tail number for your Defiant? I don't recall. It was, um, uh, well, um, the, that tail number was uh, 88 Victor Mike. 88 Victor Mike. So 88 Victor Mike has um, what I what I remember seeing is um, uh, Lycoming 0360s, right. uh, dual electronic ignitions, front and rear, and right. uh, it's um, what was the fuel injection on it again? Uh, basically, it's just the Ellison throttle body. Okay, all right. Um, and basically, that's just a single brass metering tube with really fine holes. And then the air flows around that and sucks out the uh, sucks out the fuel into a much finer mist. Terrific. I um, I suppose um, you know you mentioned that you've uh, you've been around where you know we're in Rose Rosamond uh, uh, 
California, which is about 12 miles south of Mojave, if, uh, if you're familiar with this area. Uh, and you've been in this area for some time, working around and in and with canards. Yeah, that's right. Um, I've basically Southern California all my life. Um, and then when I heard about what Bert was doing, uh, I went up there eventually and uh, met Dick. And um, I mean, very, very quickly uh, fell in love with these two guys uh, and, and their dream and what they were doing and how beautifully they communicated to so many people. And, um, and it, was just, it was just an immediate uh, attraction. It's quite a community. Uh, esprit de corps in this, this group is, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's almost, when I was in the service, it's almost like a, you know, military band of brotherhood, if you will. I, I, I agree, because these are really loving people. Um, and you could really tell that immediately because they really cared um, about, the, about communicating, uh, you know, really, really clearly, you know, about goals and objectives and uh, a real care, a special care for safety. Um, you know, really, really concerned about a consistent understanding uh, from the bottom up of how the structure's built how, and, and how they're, uh, they're loaded and that everybody get basically the, the same basic level of initial education before they ever started building. Speaking of building, um, you've been involved with a number of projects. You mentioned um, uh, two, pro two projects that you've, uh, you've built airframes for. That was a Long Easy and a Q200. Uh, tell us a little bit about those. Well, um, Long Easy uh, was, I think that was number 150 or 151. And, uh, you know, it's basically just built in the garage type thing. And uh, it, it's really my first foray into composites. And so that's where, you know, taking uh, their initial um, in, uh, introductory uh, kit and, and the understanding of materials and, and practice and really seeing for yourself, you know, how damn strong this stuff was. You know, you build a small part and you just could not believe uh, the, uh, the rigidity of, of the part, you know, when that was required or the flexibility uh, where that was required, uh, uh, to the overall toughness uh, really impresses on you, you know, to, to do it right and, and to take your time, uh, especially when it comes to uh, the bigger layups, like we'll say the center section spar, which is Takes some, some of those coordination for sure. Really, some, speed, yeah, some yeah, thoughtfulness. You get it all figured out in your head, you know. Yeah, and, and, and it really gives you an appreciation for the beautiful drawings um, and how, how uh, epoxy and flux and all that stuff really works to help transmit the, the loads. It's, uh, it's, it's a real education in visualization uh, and, and hopefully you get a, you, you get a real uh, tactile and palpable sense of, of what you're trying to do, you know, making sure your fibers are real straight, the loads are transmitted, you know, nice and evenly. Um, and, uh, and, and you optimize your epoxy, uh, and, and a little bit of white's actually okay uh, for the strength to weight, uh, but all these things, and, and, and they talk about it, uh, or at least back then, in, in the Canard Pusher newsletter, it was a real, really good education about, uh, and remi continuous reminders 
um, about what was important. Um, so, so, so there's, um, you know, there's a, there's a pretty broad diversity. One of the things that struck me about our conversation, um, at dinner before we, before we started the show here, um, was a number of projects that you've been involved with. So beyond the long, easy and your defiant, um, you know, you mentioned, um, uh, some, some, the Q200, and you've also mentioned, um, some relatively well-known projects or, or, you know, maybe lesser, but, but still well-known projects working with Dick Rutan and, um, you know, working with jet, jet powered canards and rocket powered canards. Tell us, tell us about a couple of those projects. Well, um, let's see. Um, let me see of the, in that order, I think it was global Hilton and, uh, and Dick, that was Dick's attempt to fly around the world nonstop by balloon. It was funded by Baron Hilton and Pepsi Cola, and then contributed to as we worked on the project and had to do uh, uh, all kinds of different parts. We would we would go to the uh, uh, parts suppliers or people that were involved in the part manufacturing, and and of course, to them it was really exciting for them to be involved in something involving uh, the Rattans. Oh, yeah. And Dick, I mean, it just it, it's love and excitement, basically, uh, everywhere you turn, uh, enthusiasm, and a lot of people were, were perfectly happy at kind of waiving prices and stuff like this, just so they can get their name on board the eight-foot diameter, sixteenth of an inch <laughs> thick sphere uh, that we were going to uh, fly around the world. Um, but um, you know, it's it, it's a. Uh, uh, a project like that uh, is something that it's a real turn on because Dick was really a, a, a terrific leader and, and so is Bert. They're, they're both great leaders, uh, and, but, and, and they're both actually very loving people. And, 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 and through their leadership, uh, they, so many people are inspired and flow into their, their environment who, who kind of want to like participate. And this is how they, you know, they attracted people to help them out. Really great people, you know, and, and, and Scaled was formed and uh, a lot of enthusiasm. The, uh, the, uh, the um, I, I would say the emotional texture, the safety to sometimes screw up, which you're going to screw up. Like, like, for example, on the Global Hilton, for example. Uh, I had to do, uh, I did a hypothetical test. What if we run out of water while we're at 33,000 feet and there's no more drinking water? Uh, how do we, we'll say, heat the, the food? Well, you know, we, uh, uh, can, we, can we use urine, for example, to put on the heater <laughs> meals to heat the food? And so I tested that in a high-altitude chamber. And, uh, and for the next half a day, uh, after, after the... Um, uh, the materials inside urine reacted with the heater meal. <laughs> it basically foamed out that whole, I mean, it was just all over the walls. It was a huge mess inside our altitude chamber. So I got to clean all that out. Oh, wow. but, 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 but now we knew that, oh no, we can't use urine for, you know, for the heater meals. <laughs> you know? And, you know, I mean, and, and the other thing too is that heater meals would produce uh, hydrogen. So we had to dump hydrogen. We didn't want to be contributing. It's a sealed environment. So these there. are like the little... 
little packets they have in military rations where you yeah. put a bat pan and you add a little water. Add a little and water it and it heats up, up. yeah. 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 Okay. And, and, and they, they outgassed hydrogen, so okay, now we have a hydrogen. How do we deal with that? So we came up with a valve to, to vent that, to, to basically I just fashioned a, a simple, I mean, some of the solutions are really simple. Like uh, I just used a pressure cooker and then vented the pressure cooker to the outside uh, environment. And that's how we controlled the hydrogen. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it, it's these... It's easier to clean a pressure cooker. Well, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we were going to... After that one... It, 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 but that's just well, an example... Well, you chuck it out the window at 30,000. I know. That, that's the thing, is, is, that, is that it's really better to do all these things when, when, uh, and learn a lot of these different things. So you, there's, a, there's a creative freedom to explore some of the things that might come up, you know, so at least you know, oh, whoa, you know, you don't want to even go there. Um, and it's, it's plausible because let's say you, you have to dump water or something or, or the last of your ballast or something just to make it to wherever, you know, who knows. Uh, but, uh, you know, there, there's these, these questions that come up. The freedom to fail is, is the other thing that is encouraged in that culture where, you know, Sometimes you just have to try things uh, to see if the margins you're anticipating are adequate and, mm -hmm. and if it'll work. Um, because you know, you're limited, you're always limited in weight. You know, weight is like imbued in the culture that you, you just, you, you try to do everything uh, at minimum possible weight. In fact, our, that balloon you know, ended up being so lightweight, it was much, it, the gondola itself was much lighter than we ever expected it to be. It, it, we to produce a really, really lightweight product. But anyway, that, that's, that's a little bit about that culture of, of you have to, you have to um, experiment. Uh, you, you know, when, when, you're, when you're posed with a problem, you, you've got to try different things. And, and, and failure's okay, because in every failure, you learn something. And that's the most important thing. That culture of learning, and 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 developing a development to then produce the the needed product uh, is is like completely there. And and both Dick and and Bert did that in their own ways. And I think that's part of of the value of this culture is 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 what they've brought to um, uh, I think really all of us builders that they made. Flight and 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 um, uh, the the the, uh, the and you its freedom it within reach. Within reach, exactly. Um, the, the the dream is that much closer uh, because of 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 the path uh, that they showed us. And uh, I mean, it, it just always excited and enthused me. Uh, and uh, I, I just loved being around these guys. Uh, so, so that's, you know, so that was it was a global Hilton. <laughs> anyway, so so there's another project you mentioned, um, maybe not quite as safe as uh, <laughs> as some of the others. Um, you had um, talked about a Q jet, the Q jet, and it may be known by a different name. Um, some folks may have uh, seen the video of. Uh, that's right. Red Bull did a whole thing on that, that and that was. 2015 yeah. time frame. Give us give us some of the backstory on on that. <laughs> and, and for those who don't know, uh, it was a it was a a, a, a quickie or a, a modified quickie that had um, 
uh, had some difficulty landing and then it went uh, on a slalom through uh, the boneyard at uh, Mojave of the, uh, the big jets there and uh, it's a pretty spectacular video. So if you can find it or if you haven't seen it, um, I'm not sure if I can publish that, but I'll see what I can do to get you that video. But uh, tell us a little bit about that, that aircraft, where the concept came from and, and you had some interesting notes about the engines themselves and things. What, what led up to that, that, that flight and that project? Oh, well, the, uh, I, I, it was going to be a, a project after uh, Global, or no, excuse me, where was that? It was well before. Uh, I think it was going to be like after the Q200 or after, sometime after Defiant. Yeah, sometime after Defiant. And uh, a, a wonderful man by the name of Alan Nelson uh, built this uh, quickie one airframe and it, it, it just it, it, it's just the most gorgeous composite work I've ever seen in my entire life anywhere any place it was just just bar none just complete excellence it was it is obviously the lightest quickie uh, probably human humanly possible as well as the most precisely uh, everything just just beautiful on it and and so Alan is the kind of person who was, after five years, still working on an 800-square-foot house down in Mexico. He was a good friend of Bruce Evans. 800-square-foot house for uh, exactly. five years. That's, I know. That's attention to detail. Uh, it, just, it just gives you some clue about this, what this quickie was. So just the most beautiful. And, and I'd set up a hearth engine on it and, and, uh, and was, was getting it was pretty close to first flight. Uh, but then I hung it over the Defiant uh, for some time, and then uh, 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 a couple uh, guys, a couple of scaled engineer guys, uh, test pilot uh, Elliot and uh, Justin, uh, came over and they asked about it, and, and they had this idea to uh, re-engine it with twin turbines. And so uh, it then became what they called the TWERP, T-W-E-R-P project. Now I call these it, aren't these aren't like Pratt and Whitney PT six. That's right. Okay. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You know, these are like you know the large the large uh, model engines. You know that that uh, kind of like the the, the Sonics uh, uh, jet uh, type things. Yeah. But but two of them. Now here's the the the, the lightest quickie there is. I mean, it, it, it's I don't know with engine and everything. It would have been three hundred. I don't know. It's like. Hundred and some odd pounds is the whole eighty pounds, hundred and eighty. I don't remember precisely, but then you're putting these two turbojets on it, and you know it, it ended up having just a marvelous power to weight ratio. Uh, but unfortunately, it only had two flights. Uh, it turns out that the morning flight was fine, but then, but then um, Elliot uh, took off on a second flight, and this was at a time where it, the, all the video was set up by Red Bull. They completely photo documented this airplane from every different angle, and and they had all kinds of cameras all over this plane. All over. Yeah, it was yeah. The, I remember the internet video watching that. It was yeah. I mean, very it was, well it was, done. It mean, was yeah. The camera, camera work was really highly good. highly produced. So I think even the problem with Quickie is it very very little rudder authority, and that that's always been kind of a weakness of of Quickie, and so. Um, uh, so you have two wheels on the outboard yeah. of the canard in the front with a lot of moment arm there. And then you've right. got a tail in the back, so it's a 
tail dragger, but it's also now you've got two engines, one on each side of the fuselage, so you got more asymmetric. You got more, uh, you know, more um, more going on there as well. That's so what happened. Of, That's what ended up happening was because of the wind. Uh, I think there was a little bit of of, of yaw there that that I. Um, my, it's just a personal belief. Nobody really knows what happened to that, why that one engine cut out. But uh, he ended up, ended up being single engine. And so uh, he had thrust on the right, uh, and uh, he was then, he was basically then being yawed over to the left to the boneyard while descending. Uh, he, had, he knew he had to get down. Uh, and he ended up flying through the Voyager uh, command trailer of Dick's. <laughs> uh, it was really Boy. amazing. He, he, he flew right through the window. It, it was just incredible. He just beamed this thing right through the window, obliterated all the wings, and the fuselage just cut right through. He ended up on the ground outside the trailer. Oh, my goodness. And all he did was nicked his, his helmet and, uh, and bruised his eye. Um, you know? I mean, he, he, he climbed out and just walked away. It looked like the a Wile E. Coyote video. video. <laughs> I mean, it was incredible. And, and this must have been the most well-documented uh, small airplane uh, manned crash ever because, because of all that uh, video production. Wow. Cameras all over the airplane and everything. Wow. So, I'm, I, you know, I haven't seen all the views, but what I saw... Man, what he, I mean, my God, you got these giant 747 tails. He's right next to, you know, and, 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 he, and he ends up, he ends up just beaning the window of, of, the, of the command trailer of, of, for Voyager. Wow. And so, you know, obviously I had to apologize for Dick for my airplane destroying his trailer. <laughs> I, I don't think Dick really, I don't think it pissed him off too much. Well, he certainly got some, uh, some good hangar talk for it. Yeah. You had, um. Another um, another project, the the uh, X Corps Rocket Easy project. Yeah, yeah, um, that was a that was a, a really neat um, vehicle that uh, uh, picked up uh, from uh, a gentleman and his wife uh, over by Oak Ridge, uh, Tennessee area, and um, uh, I was checking out my co-owner in that airplane over in Mojave. I was sitting in the back seat. He was in the front seat, and we were uh, short final on zero eight, Mojave, and we hit a wind shear, and basically we we're lawn darting slow uh, short final there on zero eight. I mean, it's just amazing. You're lawn darting, heading straight for the ground. Um, I, I told him to fly the approach a little fast to we approach at ninety, uh, because. Well, you're heavy and it's a fast lander anyway. You don't uh, want to be too close to the really, it's dusty just, wind. Just my know. experience with Mojave that you want a little bit of margin there. Yeah. Um, I came over the ridge line one time in my very easy and the headset's gotten knocked off my head. I thought the engine came in the cockpit with me. <laughs> it was just a rotor cloud that I hit. But right. it was loud, yeah. Yeah, and, and we see that rotor um, sometimes. Uh, it's just basically... Uh, Kind of uh, a little bit between Tehachapi and, and Mojave. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, we were we were real we were real low and and so uh, make sure he holds that and basically we're able to we're able to pull out uh, just in time. Uh, ripped off the rear gear, and uh, we end up you know uh, you know basically we're walking away from that one, but literally, 
uh, another second, you know, would have made all the difference. Uh, you know, that was really, really close. I was a little bit of back injured. It took me off Global Hilton for just a few days, just so I could rest. Uh, but um, but uh, that airplane then sat for a little while until uh, Dan um, uh, Dan got that airplane for X-Corps, and then they put on their uh, their rocket engine onto that long easy. So basically, there's no plane that goes unused at Mojave. It's a very good recycling program for aircraft. You know, it, it, a lot of <laughs> clever guys will see the resource. Right. And, and, and that's another thing I think about, you know, what we all have in common. We all kind of tend to be pretty resourceful. Uh, I mean, I just have nothing but respect for everybody in this culture because this is the one common thing that, uh, you know, Everybody in this culture, you know, has a special kind of brightness uh, to see potential in things that I don't think, you know, a lot of people don't see potential in stuff, but, but, but I think people in this culture just, they see potential in themselves, they see potential in things, they see, you know, ways to do and build mm -hmm. and, and achieve objectives, and, and you know, it's, it's just a, a great thing. So, yeah, if, if, there's, if there's stuff laying around that, you know, somebody has a, an imagination to do something with. Yeah, it'll 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 be done. Yeah. So you put a rocket in this, uh, or they put a rocket in this? Uh, yeah. This long easy. Yeah, and then Dick um, uh, Dick did some demonstrations with it, and uh, had a lot of fun. And um, it, uh, my understanding is, it's basically the first rocket of its. It was unique because basically it would take off with normal landing gear, fly, and then return normal landing gear. And, and it was basically just a regular airplane, but rocket powered. Was this... Um, Not too many of those, I guess, had ever existed before. Was this uh, related somehow or gave birth to the Rocket Racing League? Right. That's exactly, yeah. that's exactly, I think, what they were, um, you know, they were talking about that then yeah. as a... As a follow-on, very nice. Yeah. Well, we um, we're coming up close to the end of our time together. I, I've um, David uh, Williford and I have been asking our candidates um, to uh, close out our interviews with a uh, uh, a, um, a a dialogue about um, your best or most memorable flights. So this is your invitation to tell us about uh, a couple of the types of flights and where you were, or who you were with, or what you flew. Or Well, yeah. probably the first one, uh, relative to what we're talking about, uh, was my first flight with Dick, uh, where um, it was during the time when Voyager was basically just an idea we were talking about. And, and um, uh, Dick's uh, girlfriend at the time, Gina, uh, was taking flight lessons. I think it was up in Santa Maria, and we took uh, Bert's Tiger uh, to go up there to pick her up, and uh, and and just being with Dick. What what, what he did? He would just fly up the front side of cumulus clouds and and uh, and do a rollover right down the backside, and 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 it it just showed me, you know, that that this this guy just you know had had just fun in his heart. Uh, he was he was. He, he was using an airplane as a tool of joy and, 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 and sharing this joy with us, you know. 
Um, and and so that that was that was really a wonderful intro uh, to the spirit of fun, uh, the spirit of adventure, the spirit of of freedom. Uh, that and and it's one of the ways I kind of began to appreciate Dick. Um, gosh, another time. Oh, here's another one. Uh, <laughs> really, kind of like it's a defiant um, it's a defiant story uh, where basically. Uh, I'm taking off at Catalina Airport. And this is the islands off of L.A. That's right. Okay. Um, it's something like 20-some-odd miles off of uh, Long Beach, uh, you know, where there's 110 cargo ships waiting to be unloaded these days. <laughs> but it's, it's not too far. And so you fly over there, and it's kind of a... It was owned by a uh, Wrigley chewing gum guy. He started the whole scene over there and developed it, and... And basically, it's a kind of a LA, local L.A. tourist attraction thing. But uh, there's an airport there on, on high up uh, on one of the mountains. And uh, this, this airport runway has a little hump in the, right in the middle of it. And so I was taking off in the Defiant. And uh, as soon as my nose gear left uh, the, um, uh, the runway, I was too quick in pulling the, the front gear for traction. And... And so the main gears hit this hump and leveraged the damn nose right back into the ground. <laughs> oh, so, so I lost my front propeller. And so, okay, so now I only have a, basically a single-engine airplane. And so what do I do? So I kind of look, look at the situation, talk to the airport guy there. He said, oh, I won't let you take off without a front propeller. So uh, I, 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 uh, I, I get... I don't know, I take it one of the airplanes or helicopter back to to L.A., get up to Mojave, repair uh, 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 another front propeller by cutting it off real <laughs> short. Okay, it's still a propeller. It wasn't going to provide me really much thrust, but it would handle front, all the front drag. Um, and that was really cool because really all I had to do uh, was optimize my drag and I knew the rear engine would, would have plenty of power for, for the ferry flight back to Mojave. And so I got this propeller going. I uh, was able to uh, get it on the airplane and, and uh, start it up. You know, it, it cools the engine beautifully, handles the drag in the front, and the rear engine then can just uh, uh, power me at 115 knots uh, from Catalina single engine, essentially single engine to back to Mojave. Wow. So that was, and that comes after basically uh, Bert's uh, experience where he was getting a check ride. And, um, and I guess the examiner knows, hey, Bert, you're, you're not multi-engine rated. So Bert basically, essentially goes that Bert said, well, okay, what engine do you want to take off on? <laughs> Bert, yeah. Yeah, makes sense, it yeah. was really cool. And, and I tested all that out myself. I knew what the airplane could do. So I, I didn't have any problem with it. Uh, it was really um, um, uh, so. There's that, I, 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 and then there's other flights. I mean, it's just so many different. Like with Dick flying down Red Rock uh, Canyon, you know, from oh, yeah. Mojave. Uh, you know, uh, um, you know, it, it, it's probably more. I, I know there's more, but well, you know, it's, they're it's all wonderful experiences and. And they all basically relate in some way to, uh, to, to Dick or Mojave uh, or with Bert. You know, there's a time there in the 90s where we were doing the UFO stuff. And uh, uh, me and Dan, uh, Craig, would, 
we flew up to Area 51 uh, to kind of check out. We had some questions. Uh, you know, <laughs> some questions. We, had, we got questions. Yeah, we, we went up there to kind of check this thing place out. It was kind of weird. It was a little weird because up there, that's where the nuclear, uh, underground nuclear testing was. Yeah. And so we flew around that area and checked that out. But, but with Bert, we were actually kind of looking for hardware. And we'd even brought in a remote viewer into Scaled uh, to try to, you know, help us, you know, uh, first we were trying to determine the credibility of remote viewing. But we're also looking for targets, you know, like describe for us, you know, what's at this place, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then me and Dana would go and try to check it out and see if we can validate what the remote viewer was telling us. It's like a, like a, uh, like summer camp for a bunch of boys at uh, summer camp trying to figure out adventures. You know, that's the thing. It, again, you know, hopefully we're not afraid to f*** up. We're, 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 we're trying to answer questions. We're trying to, you know, uh, do something rational here. Uh, but it's all incredible amount of fun. Yeah. And, and I think that's the key thing is, is um, this is really what I learned, you know. It, it, we, we, we learn by making our mistakes. We learn in a spirit that, you know, we, we're, we're going to, we're going to come out better for the mistakes we make and, um, and you know, uh, hopefully end up getting, you know, what we're after, you know, in the end for the experience, for the adventure, for the, you know, for the purpose of life, really. Well, 40 plus years at Mojave, I can imagine you've got, um, you've got endless stories here, but our time is, uh, our time is about up, so uh, I just want to say that I genuinely appreciate uh, you taking the time to speak with us today, and um, you know we're going to uh, we're going to put up some some information about uh, some of the things we talked about today, some of the projects up onto uh, the Canard Owners and Builders uh, archive. So if uh, our listeners want to look in more detail at some of the uh, projects that were discussed here, uh, you should be able to get some details from there and. Um, with that, I, uh, I would like to say once again, thank you so much for joining us today. And um, we'll see you uh, when I get, maybe I get my Defiant back. Maybe we'll see you at Canab this year. I'll look forward to that, Ed. All right. Thank you very much. You've been listening to CanardCast, a production of the Canard Owners and Builders Association. I'm Mike Beasley, the editor of Canard Aviation Magazine, which is the quarterly publication of the association. In addition to the magazine and canard casts, the Canard Owners and Builders Association provides an online repository for photos, articles, news, forum conversations, as well as a searchable member list to connect with other canard enthusiasts. It is a valuable resource for anyone building and or flying these awesome aircraft. I invite you to join us by visiting www.canardowners.com and clicking on the membership sign-up link at the top of the page. As a member, you will have access to a wide variety of canard resources essential to building, flying, and owning canard aircraft. Additionally, you can find other canard casts on the Canard Owners website as well as at anchor.fm. That's A-N-C-H-O-R.fm. Finally, if you enjoyed this podcast, please consider donating toward or sponsoring future canard casts. You can find a donation link at the anchor.fm website. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, fly safe and we'll see you on the flight line.